Welcome to Open Banking Expo Unplugged, bringing you the brightest minds in open banking, open finance and beyond. Hello and welcome to Open Banking Expo Unplugged, the podcast series brought to you by Open Banking Expo and uh, I'm your host as always. For this episode, I'm Ellie Duncan, Head of Editorial and Broadcast at Open Banking Expo. Today, I'm joined by two guests. Uh, first of all, Oliver Prill, who is the Chief Executive of Tide, and also Simon Curiton, who is the Chief Executive of Funding Options. That's a UK marketplace for business finance that has just been acquired by Tide following approval from the UK regulator, the Financial Conduct Authority. The uh, acquisition itself was, was first announced in November last year. So now that the deal has been approved, Oliver and Simon have joined me on the podcast to discuss what this means for the combined businesses and, of course, for their customers. So welcome both of you to the podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. Well, let's let's dive straight in. Lots to talk about. Uh, first of all, Oliver, how did the acquisition of, of funding options come about? What what makes this business such an attractive addition? Yeah, so Tide you know, now serves nine percent of UK SMEs. So you know, almost uh, you know one in ten, approaching one in ten, uh, does their banking through Tide. And of course, business finance is a key, especially in times like these. But even out in normal times. Business finance is an important addition, and we passionately believe that the best way to actually provide finance is not to provide a single sort of product, but actually provide a, a, a sort of marketplace in, in many ways of different uh, different lenders who have then you know specialized in different segments. And Tide um, has had done this in the past, right? We had sort of 10, 12 lenders. But of course, we looked at uh, funding options and we saw you know, really how to do it really properly. And um, so when, uh, you know, the opportunity came up to, to to have this discussion with funding options, you know, this was a natural addition to Tide. Great to hear um, that, that you felt, you know, the businesses were such a good, a good match. Um, Simon, let's bring you in at this point. What does the acquisition mean for funding options as a company, first of all? So I, I think the acquisition is unequivocally uh, positive both for us for tide uh, and certainly for for uk smes and hopefully in the future uh, international smes uh, aligned with tide's strategy um it really gives us a almost like a turbo boost if i can use that description uh, in our ability to provide the requisite service to to business owners um tide as oliver has already mentioned you know one in 10 uh, uk smes almost is is banking uh, via Tide, and uh, what we love is Tide's one platform ethos and its ability to offer a proliferation of services that far exceeds uh, our own. Obviously, we're specialised within that uh, that credit uh, vertical, but being part of a broader platform which provides uh, value adding service to you, sorry, value adding services to UK SMEs, for us that's phenomenal, and the fit was almost perfect. Um, because as Oliver says, they had a fledgling business, but what we do is SME finance, and we've done that for a number of years. So we're bringing that expertise to Tide, um, and it's allowing us to seamlessly integrate uh, into that broader business proposition. And so then what does that mean for your existing uh, funding options customers? Will will they notice a difference? What, what happens to them next? 
Yes, I think a couple of things on that. So um, I think they'll they'll notice hopefully uh, in the not too distant future uh, an improvement uh, in the overall service and and also their ability to access a broader set of services across the uh, across the Tide platform as mentioned. Um, but ultimately, I think in relation to credit, um, they will certainly have uh, the, the the excellent service uh, that we've always provided. But I think that that is going to significantly improve in the short term. So one example would be, uh, you know, one of the things that I am really excited about is getting access to the capability uh, the Tide has in the data space, uh, machine learning, for example, and actually giving us the ability to um, assess, if you like, the feasibility of finance for businesses in real time so that we can provide much faster, much more accurate bespoke solutions. Um Again, it's just bringing together those complementary capabilities and skill sets, which will allow us to do what we do a lot better. And Oliver, what's about uh, for Tide's existing customers? Um, again, will they notice anything different? Does anything change for them? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, very simply put, as, as Simon put it, you know, funding options will become the credit intermediation arm of Tide, right? So, what will happen is the the, um, the small uh, intermediation business we've got uh, will come move into funding options, and Simon and his highly capable team will run that right. And so, effectively, if you look at it as, as Simon was saying, you know, you end up with a really excellent credit intermediation business that then is available to our customer base, right? So that's that's really you know the way I w- would put it. So it's if you think about it, Simon talked about the platform. We're plugging funding options into the Tide platform, and therefore, by implication, all the Tide members will be able to access, um, you know, the funding options solution. And given that credit is so important to SMEs, you know, that of course will be a huge positive difference for our members. Yeah, as you mentioned there, of course, Simon is is going to be kind of heading up that kind of arm of the business. So, Simon, what what are your plans there? Can you tell us a little bit about? Um, sort of your vision, if you like? Yeah, absolutely. So first and foremost, we are laser focused on the opportunity here in the UK. Um, so as funding options, I think we, you know, I, I would say that we made a dent uh, in relation to, uh, to to our offering. So um, up until this point, we facilitated more than £700 million worth of vital finance to UK SMEs. Even over the last three years, uh, more than 342 million pounds of finance in in incredibly difficult circumstances. But we still see that there is a very, very significant opportunity here in the UK to again, uh, properly disrupt. So a lot of people use that word uh, quite loosely. I think already with our funding cloud platform, we'd started to disrupt again with Tide's capability aligning to Tide and becoming part of that family. Um, we're going to be able to accelerate that capability much, much further. So offering digital solutions to UK SMEs, providing those bespoke, uh, hopefully positive outcomes in near real time would be one facet facet of that. But then it's also then broadening and deepening the proposition using humans. So we, we, we have this sort of ethos, ethos of digital first, but then you almost have this hybrid scenarios and then you have the human scenarios. Uh, and, and through Tide Partner Credit Services, we are going to do all three of those exceptionally well. So it's laser focused on the UK market, driving our uh, an improvement in our data capability, in our technology capabilities, broadening our access to UK SMEs, 
and then starting to do the value add on top of that, which is giving them access to the broader power, if you like, of, of, of Tide's platform. And that's just the UK. Then potentially at some stage when we're ready, we can uh, uh, take that to, to other markets. And the way we're designing uh, our technology and the way we're setting ourselves up is that our technology, our platform effectively, is location and language agnostic. So it just gives us the opportunity to do that in the future, to, to, to go international in the future. Yeah, I was going to ask about that, actually. I mean, um, uh, Oliver, you know, when you last joined me on this podcast, we were talking then about Tide's plans for the Indian SME market. So maybe, you know, you could give us a bit of an update on that, but also then talk more broadly about, yeah, some of these kind of international plans now that funding options are on board, of course. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. So maybe let's start with India. Because in fact, we, you know, we're, we're always humble right, when we look at uh, new opportunities, especially in the scale that you see in India. So we were very careful in the second half of last year to very gradually with alpha and beta tests um, sort of to, to get live. But in the end, we went fully live, general release, middle of December. Uh, you know, then India is a fantastic nation with, SMEs, you know, over 64 million SMEs, of which half are digital, right? So that's more than all of Europe put together. And so, you know, pleased to say that in January, almost had as many businesses joining us in India as we had in the UK after five years. Remember, we're one of the largest um, uh, or fastest growing SME pro uh, uh, banking providers in the UK. So that's quite a feast. So India is going very, very well. It's it's early days, um, but it's a very large country and we remain hugely enthusiastic. Now, um, in terms of what 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 funding options can can, can support is the way we, 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 we operate is as Simon said, one platform. So we have one technology base. Actually, funding options plugging into that uh, works extremely well. Um our product businesses, right, are really that that lead parts of Tide, which Simon is one, um, you know, have a global remit, right? So Simon and then funding options will go, you know, wherever Tide goes. There is a question, of course, as always, when you scale out and you build out, you know, in what sequence do you do things? And therefore, you know, Simon was saying, you know, you know, his strategy is very much let's really get the, the integration and the, the the bits and pieces right in the UK. But the intention absolutely is to bring funding options I mean, funding options will be part of that. It's the it's the intermediation, the partner credit brand of Tide going forward, and therefore Simon and his really capable team will, you know, will in the end have the remit to be everywhere where Tide is, and everywhere where Tide is, we would want to ensure that credit intermediation is quite high up on our list. Um, and then maybe, maybe cycling back to India. I mean, clearly the it, it's a it's it's a high growth country, and you're in high growth environments. You know, SMEs do need credit. And one of the reasons why in India so many businesses are formalizing uh, in, you know, <clears throat> in part has to do or one of the key reasons is actually to get access to formal credit, right? To get away from the informal money lender into organized credit. And, um, you know, if you then look on the other side in, of Simon's business, the, um, the credit partners, India is also one of the richest ecosystems. So there are a lot of lenders that have specialized and so, you know, as Tide acquires, you know, at pace members in India, that you have the, uh, the the potential credit partners there, plus Simon and his team's expertise. You're going to bring that together, you know, at, at the right time. You know, 
absolutely very bullish about what the opportunities that would create. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, just when you you were talking about some of the numbers, you know, about Indian SMEs. I mean, that that scale is is huge. It's quite hard to get your head around. Um, uh, you know, when compared to the S, uh, the UK SME market, but of course, at the moment in the UK, SMEs are having a really tough time of it, aren't they? Lots of of challenges, you know, amid the cost of living crisis, and as a lot of of, of people point out, you know, while households have had quite a bit of government support to help them through, in fact, SMEs haven't necessarily. So, Simon, uh, perhaps you can you can start off by just saying how you've seen sort of the UK SME market kind of coping at the moment, if you like, and uh, and how obviously the two businesses together will be able to support them through this kind of quite challenging time. Yeah, I think the first thing I would say is never underestimate the resilience of business owners. It's phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And if you think of what they've been through, uh, and, you know, obviously Oliver and I have been driving businesses, uh, you know, of our own, and and we've you know we've been through tough times. Imagine, you know, you're your sort of high street small business. Um, you know, they, they they've really suffered, but they are incredibly resilient. So demand that we've seen has been very very consistently strong very consistently strong but the the dynamic mix of why are people borrowing has actually gone quite firmly in the direction of working capital which tells you everything you need to know so it's much less sort of strategic investment if i can even use that description in the context of a small business it's much more towards that those working capital needs so getting them through those difficult months and we've seen the products that are on offer from our lenders during this time as well. That product mix has changed more broadly across the the supply chain, if you like, or the supply breadth. Um, and there's much more proliferation of what we call flexi loans, for example. So that is finance where you can, you know, dip in and dip out. Effectively, you have uh, access to a facility with a limit, and you can use as much or as little as as you like, and depending upon. Which lender it is, they'll charge you either for the full limit or just what you use. So the, the the product mix is changing, the demand is changing in terms of what they're looking for. But I personally, I mean, I, I'm sort of a natural optimist. I I don't believe we've actually witnessed the uh, fallout that some people perhaps predicted uh, in relation to the credit environment. At least we certainly haven't seen that right now. We're starting to see, I think, not green shoots, but perhaps some of the statistics we're seeing in that broader macroeconomic space, they're not as negative as we would have otherwise necessarily expected them to be. So I'm quite hopeful that actually we will see something a bit more positive in H2 this year. Uh, And we're constantly working with our lender partners who are absolutely vital, clearly, to the ecosystem. We're constantly working with them to enable us to offer continuous um, competitive choice of funding options for businesses because that's what you need. Obviously, for a thriving ecosystem, you need that competition, you need the choice, and that is what we are obviously driving forward. And as I said, over the last three years, you know, 342 million plus of vital funding, we're massively proud of being able to do that. Uh, And it's been hard work, but you know that's it. that's what we do that's why we're here yeah as you say there it's interesting to to hear sort of why smes are, are borrowing for those working capital needs um oliver do you kind of see something similar uh, in in the environment in that as simon was saying perhaps 
you know, there hasn't been the kind of, certainly not the, the kind of crisis that we saw back in 07, 08, of course. I don't think any anyone was expecting quite that, but perhaps there are some, some more green shoots now, a bit more positive data. Are you seeing something similar? Yeah, so there's definitely a, a large part of the SME community that's now battle-hard as, as, as science. I think generally there's always the underestimation of entrepreneurship. And I think, you know, sometimes when you look at the political debate without becoming political, I think we're underestimating that actually the best way to help entrepreneurs is to help allow them to help themselves, right, rather than um, than anything else. But Simon is saying, you know, part of what makes a good entrepreneur is to be quite resilient. Uh, plus, you know, as you pointed out, they've, they're now pretty battle-hardened. Right. I mean, you've gone through COVID, right? I mean, you, you can probably, you know, you can take quite a bit and you probably already fixed a lot of your cost base and so on. Nevertheless, as Simon says, you know, people are struggling. And maybe just to add to some of the, the themes that Simon sort of added, the first one is, you know, overall as an economy, we used to have 6.2 million SMEs before the COVID crisis and we're now at 5.5, right? So there has been that. And of course, the net death has been even higher, but that's the other part of it. Not only are they resilient, also entrepreneurs form new businesses when there are new opportunities, right? So we're also seeing quite a big part of, you know, new business formations that is taking place. And in part, that is because uh, there are new opportunities arising out of, you know, stressful environments. Uh, in part, it is um, uh, also things like net zero, et cetera, right? So the new New thema- you know, themes coming out in which you know, entrepreneurial opportunities present themselves. So, you know, absolutely, I, we don't see the thing going into a, you know, currently into a disaster scenario. And as Simon says, the hope is by age two, things will become a little bit better. There's just a little bit of me that says we need to be cautious. And I think part of the whole debate in the country has also started to take SMEs a bit for granted. And so, you know, you know, without criticizing specific government initiatives, I think that has been quite brave to withdraw the energy support. Um, it could have gone very differently. Thankfully, the energy prices also fell, right? So they weren't as needed. Uh, but, you know, removing all these things around tax and dividends, uh, you know, the um, the uh, the contract of the IR35 and so on, these are all quite risky things and they may just tip the balance and therefore... We maintain for the, you know, looking at the budget, um, you know, at a whole set of measures that the government should announce, which can be very short term. They don't have to be long term, but that give this additional support for allowing entrepreneurs to, you know, help themselves and, um, leave them with more cash that they can actually get on with things. Um, so I think that that would be my reading, right? So in present, very resilient, a lot of new business formation, but at the margin, you know, still support needed to for businesses to help themselves. Yeah, well, talking about, I suppose, um, uh, entrepreneurs seeing opportunities and grasping them even when, you know, the economy perhaps doesn't look so rosy. I mean, you know, this, this acquisition between um, the two companies took place during a time when actually it seemed like M&A activity had completely dried up, really. You know, we saw obviously loads of, of mergers and deals happening back in 2021, you know, starting to ease off in early 2022. But, you know, by the second half of the year, I think it's safe to say that um, that, that kind of M&A activity was almost non-existent, really. And, and there was maybe part of that was, was a bit of scaremongering about how bad things were going to get. But um, uh, Oliver, coming to you first, 
did did you did you kind of um feel any of that as this acquisition was happening or was it more that this was just the right time for the acquisition regardless of of yeah so i think there's always a macro one and the you know the specific sector that we are in so on the macro it's definitely true right that that mna activity you know has gone down and we see that with you know the investment banks and all their earnings on the fintech sector which you know simon and i operate in there was never that much mna and, you know, as a matter the interesting thing is, as people said, as the, the fintech winter sort of set in on the funding side, one would have actually expected a lot more M&A. So I think on the macro side, we still have the M&A to, to come because at some stage, right, um, you know, if funding becomes a challenge, you know, um, you know, M&A may make sense. And, so uh, you know, that would be one driver. The other driver I see is, you know, we had especially a number of VC investors, you know, that had entered the VC market that had sort of distorted all sorts of unit economics and valuations. And one of the negative side effects of that was that a lot of discipline around payback periods, market acquisition costs, you know, disappeared. And that's now being reintroduced. So even if you can raise funding, I think a lot of the very uh, single product um, business models uh, become very, very hard on just, on, on you know, to, to run those on sensible unit economics. So, I still think there's an underlying trend for in fintech to see more M and A. Um, I think we still see that once the internal rounds ease off a little bit, and so I think we might see sort of a return to that midsummer in, sec- in the second half of the year. Um, so I think that's number one. Number two, looking very much at tide, and then I let uh, you know Simon speak for funding options. But from a tide point of view, it is actually less relevant whether there's a lot of M and A in the market. Right. So for us, it's we would not do an M&A transaction because there's an opportunity out there. We would do it because it is a way to accelerate organic growth. Right. And so when we talked about the rationale for, for joining together with, with with funding options, it was not that. I mean, also a necessary sufficient was that Simon looked for a new home for his business. Right. But that, you know, is, a, is not it's a necessary but not sufficient condition. Right. I mean. You know, the the main reason for doing it is it just made economic sense and it is part of, uh, accelerates the organic growth that may be tied over years, could have built ourselves in the in the, in the intermediation play, but, you know, it accelerated that and it brought with it a leadership team that is highly capable in, in the sector. So it accelerated what, you know, one would have otherwise done organically. And that's how we would look at it. And you know, we remain open for other acquisitions, but that will not really be informed by whether there's a lot of activity in the market or not. It really is around, is there a strategic rationale? And then maybe a final point to that is why I'm particularly, you know, pleased with this whole funding options acquisition is not only is there a huge strategic fit, but the other one, as Simon sort of said, is the cultures. And I think we have to realize in the M&A that we are doing, Right in the fintech sector, this is not a really large bank merger right, where you're cutting out zillions of overheads that have accumulated over decades. I mean, we are really joining. You know, we're doing some sensible things of you know having a common finance function, that sort of thing. But in the end, it's a growth. We are enabling right a highly capable team <clears throat> with the resources to actually massively grow ARR. Right, I mean that that's fundamentally we're in the growth game. And part of the growth rationale is that you need you need a team that is highly motivated, highly capable, and that culturally fits with what we're doing. And that, to me, is the other one to call out. We would not have done the funding, you know, options, uh, you know, 
acquisition without Simon and his team and this huge cultural fit that they have with the culture we have at time. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And Simon, I guess that rings true for you as, as well, working the other way, you know, looking for a, for a buyer for your business. You want something that's, that's going to fit strategically and culturally, right? 100%. Yeah. So, you know, Oliver's articulated it really, really well. So we're coming together to grow, to accelerate uh, the journeys that we were both on prior to coming together. I think that's a massively pertinent point. Uh, and we've already about the fit. The fit was absolutely brilliant, both culturally, both in terms of the product. You know, Oliver, as ever, um, incredibly intelligent man, you know, bringing, bringing the, uh, the um, uh, making the point rather about having a single product business and the challenges that come with that. That is really, really important. And we've talked about earlier on, you know, Tide's platform, the proliferation of products and services that it offers prior to us coming together with Tide. Largely speaking, we were a single product platform and that's massively challenging. So we recognized quite early on that to achieve our strategic objectives, we would need a broader partner. And that's obviously where the conversations with Tide uh, went. And, you know, we're massively proud of the uh, of the outcome. And, and I think the fact that the M&A market, if you like, where there's been less activity is almost completely irrelevant. Um, there are always going to be opportunities and things that make perfect sense. And this was absolutely one of them. Um, and we're already reaping the, the benefits and it's super, super early days, but, you know, hugely excited about what the future holds. Well, yeah, absolutely. There's there's lots to look forward to by the sounds of it. So um, we'll definitely be keeping a close eye on things at Open Banking Expo. And um, all it leaves me to say is thank you to both of you, Simon and Oliver, for joining me today. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for having us. My thanks again there to Oliver from Tide and Simon from Funding Options. Great to hear more about that acquisition, of course. We'll keep you posted on any further developments um, once those two businesses have, have combined. For more recent episodes of the podcast, then you can listen back by the on-demand section on the openbankingexpo.com website. We've had some great guests on recently, uh, and we've also got some some brilliant guests coming up as well. So do keep an eye on the on-demand page. Until next time, goodbye for now.